guys, welcome back to another edition of Digital Artcast. Um, thanks again for joining me. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you guys over. Um, another interview today, um, and we are talking to someone on the opposite end of the scale where we usually do. We usually talk to people who have had uh, long, illustrious careers and, uh, and huge kind of catalogs of work. Um, but James, who I recently discovered, or modern James, modern day James, as people know on YouTube, um, has decided to come on and talk to us about um, his career so far, um, which I think is only spanning, you know, just under or over a year, um, but also, you know, it's super impressive already. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks for coming on, James, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me, man. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so yeah, we, we, we've kind of talked about this just before we started recording, but um, we were talking about, you know, typically when I'm interviewing people on the podcast, you know, Scott Robertson or, or Matt Rhodes, you know, these guys have had huge careers that span years and they've worked on multiple IPs, you know, Mass Effect and whatever else. Um, but you are relatively new to the scene of concept art, but still a, a name that I have heard talked about at different events I've been to through very professional artists, in fact. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely great that your name is out there. But, yeah, so a weird kind of setback to where you started because I have noticed kind of digging a little before I started recording that... Um, you were a medical student, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was in medical school. Uh, so I finished undergrad, went to medical school for a year, and uh, after a year, I was like, I do not want to do this. And um, wow. yeah, and I had had some experience um, playing music professionally before this, and which is actually how I got into art in the first place. Uh, <laughs> cool. But I figured, you know what? I have some experience doing creative stuff. I've always wanted to work in video games. I'm just going to bite the bullet, quit, tell my parents after I quit <laughs> and just uh, just get started and kind of it all took off from there. Uh, and by took off, I mean, I spent the year, the next year uh, in my parents' basement drawing every day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting because that almost uh, kind of correlates back to what got me into art originally, which was idolizing um, Jim Lee, the comic artist. But he had a very similar story where he was going to medical school because his parents wanted him to. Um, he done life drawing outside of classes to really just relax and do something differently and then decided he wanted to do art. Um, and then his parents gave him a year basically out of medical school to find a job and he worked for DC within the year. Um, but yeah, it's a very common thing where a lot of artists I've met around the world have always had stories of, like me especially, like I used to be an engineer till I was 28. Yeah. Um, and then I went back to university to get my degree in 3D animation, and now I'm doing 2D concepts. But um, but it was a weird trip along the way because the last even five years ago when I left my job, like there was no such thing as Learn Squared or you know like no one was still kind of like it was there, but you were ordering DVDs. There wasn't a lot of an online presence, so I had a little information. But yeah, that yeah, it's, it's been a weird journey. But you were the same, right? So you've just been kind of nose down at the work the last 12 months. Yeah, pretty much. And you know what? I think. I think part of um, why people have a similar story is because when you do decide to quit whatever other career path you're on, you kind of have this fire under your ass where you're like, all right, well, I have to get this in X amount of time. So for me, it was like, well, I got to get a job before. Like I, I went on leave of absence from medical school. Not, um, I didn't exactly drop out. Right. And I was like, all right, well, my leave of absence expires at this date. So I got to make sure I'm ready to go by that point, which I wasn't. Wow. I didn't okay. end up getting. I didn't end up making money in art by that point, but I was like, "Fuck it, I'm already this far. I'm just going to keep going." Right. And so uh, you, oh, so sorry. you're working obviously at Brainstorm just now, but it, was that your first gig? Was that your first proper kind of job in the well, industry? Well, the first thing uh, the Patreon actually picked up before I started getting, uh, before I got the job at Brainstorm. So I think my patron Patreon was about uh, twelve hundred a month at that point which was enough to pay rent and move out and do, you know, do my own sort of thing. Right. Um, and then, yeah. And then John hit me up via one of the live streams. Yep. He hopped in the chat and just said, Hey, you know, we're really into what you're doing. If you want to come work with us. And I thought he was joking. Wow. So I, this, you know, I just, this John Park. John Park. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I thought he was kidding. I thought he Jesus. was, I thought he was just being polite, like offering a job. And I was like, oh, thanks man. Yeah. <laughs> But then he emailed me afterwards and then uh, oh, wow. he offered me the job there. So now I'm working. It's awesome. Interesting. Yeah. And that's, that's good to be, it's good to be one of the craziest things I've ever heard is that somebody who 
I mean, I don't know if you drew before you started drawing properly, but yeah, to go from kind of nothing to a year and then teaching at Brainstorm, I mean, that's that's a big accolade. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I have been drawing for a lot of my life. Um, okay. Not very well. I mean, I wasn't bad at drawing when I was younger, but I never really studied it. I didn't know you could study it right. until yep. um, until like when I found Scott Robertson's book right after I left school. Because I... I hit up YouTube and I was like, all right, if I'm going to draw, what what do I need to learn in order to do this? Right. And uh, I saw Scott Robertson's drawing. So I was like, oh, shit, people can do that. <laughs> I didn't know that was yeah. a pop- I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I- I've been to so many events the last couple of years and uh, nearly every speaker I've ever listened to always has the same thing of, yeah, I was watching this one day and I was like, oh, I didn't know you could get paid to draw or paint or make sculptures or make, you know, props or, or do VFX or films. And it seems to be, I don't know why this industry has been so well hidden, but the film game industry has been, you know, not exactly in its infancy the last couple of years. It's been booming since like the 80s. So, I mean, it still kind of blows my mind. But I think it's because in the last five years, like a concept artist has become a thing. Like before yeah. then, it was just like the guy in the, the studio who could draw the best, done the art. There wasn't a specialized job for it, but now there is. So. Yeah, I, and I, I honestly, even from my standpoint now, working at Brainstorm, it's still somewhat a mystery to me. Right, <laughs> and okay. it might ju- it might just be because I don't leave my apartment very often, but <laughs> but <laughs> for the most part, it seems to be kind of mysterious. You know, there's NDAs, so they can't really talk about their work too much. They're not allowed to share a lot of their work, um, which is why for me, I kind of have decided to steer clear of concept art for the most part, and I'm just going to do illustration. I think. Right. Okay. Because um, I, that I'm a conscious. A... Th- oh no, I was just going to ask: Is that a conscious decision because there is a lot of concept artists out there, or you just want to focus on something that you enjoy more? Or it's it's actually it's two things. So one of the things is I'm a huge blabbermouth, and I know that NDAs are not going to work, especially with my YouTube channel. I'll be like, I'm working on this thing. You know, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just like shoot the shit and just end up talking about everything. So I was like, all right, that's a bad idea. One, because I'll probably get sued. Uh, two, I think a lot of my focus, um, is, is really based in traditional skills, which isn't entirely necessary or like I'll, I'll spend so much time delving into things that aren't really important for concept art. So I kind of just, I kind of just decided, Hey, listen, if I'm going to spend all this time, like working on drawing characters in crazy wide angle lenses, I'm not really going to need to do that for concept art. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about that and like all my all the stuff uh that i i devote a lot of time to like mark making and and kind of working on my drawing style it's it's definitely something that can influence your concept art but i don't think that's where i want to go i think illustration is probably where i want to focus yeah i was going to say because uh you know i I was at an event um not too long ago actually and i was uh kind of collecting sketches in a sketchbook of of people at the event and I kind of turned to somebody at the time I knew he was a really good concept artist and I said to him, oh, would you, you know, add something to my sketchbook? And he was like, he's like, oh, dude, like, I don't sketch. Like, you know, I don't really draw as much. Like, it's because of the concept, you know, like, I use 3D and photo bashing and I was like, yeah, that is a, a thing that is a thing now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, people can basically get in this industry and I have seen it very quickly um, by not using traditional skills and by using stuff like, like 3D uh, projection yeah. and photo bashing so yeah how do you feel about all that because i know i used to use that at the start but now i'm I'm trying to go the way of the purist like i'm trying to draw more than a than a kind of photo bash yeah well i think it's cool i mean there's so much stuff that they can do with like there's so much stuff that you can do with all those tools that you can't do if you're just drawing uh so i think it's 100 necessary and i think it's really important for people that want to get into the industry to do but now that i've been offered the opportunity to not have to do that and i could just draw i was just like screw it i'll just draw all the time yeah no <laughs> i mean and i think that. i think that's definitely the the way I, I would love to go i think because particularly i want to do more stylized stuff so like i would love mm-hmm. to work for blizzard that's like the dream job yeah yeah and i know the guys don't use a lot of photo bashing maybe some 3d obviously but like a lot of their guys are hardcore illustrators if you know what i yeah, mean yeah yeah um like jumaro kindred john polidori or who obviously now is at riot but they kind of guys live and breathe drawn and sketching like that is their thing and uh yeah if I, you want I, to go that yeah. yeah i do think that if you um like what i've noticed in my own art is is the more you delve into just pure illustration illustration and you can illustrate in your sketchbook the faster those ideas will be generated and the more, I think the more unique those ideas will be. Yes. Um, 
And, and I really do think that's part of what, one of the reasons why I want to focus on illustration as well is because once you build up a, like a, a decent visual library of stuff, you can actually design just by illustrating. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think illustration also, like with Scott's books, it does premise more on design because there was a whole talk that Shadi done a couple of years ago where it was like, concept art is dead. But what he actually was saying is that <laughs> what, com- what companies need now is not concept artists, but concept designers. Yeah. And I think Brainstorm is, is in Scott's kind of legacy. Like they have the similar kind of vibe where it's, it's heavy design focused. I mean, you are illustrating, but your basis is on illustration for maybe entertainment design, industrial design. Yeah. Um, I, I take, I've, I don't know a ton. I mean, we went to James's talk back in March at IMAG uh, and he was talking about the school, but he didn't really dive into any kind of great depth. So what's your kind of day-to-day at the school? Like what do you kind of focus on or what are your, you know, things or, or subjects or environment things that you're, you're kind of teaching day-to-day? Sure. So um, for me, in my own practice, I'm pretty much focused now entirely on characters, and I have been for the last six months. Probably going to do that. I kind of want to do characters in general or just people in general as uh, my main focus. So every day I'll, let's see, I'll study anatomy, but I'll, I'll use, um, there's this tool called Anatomy 360. It's a really great app. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you can rotate the models and stuff. Um, and I have this breakdown that I've been doing where I... My day one, I draw directly from reference. So if, uh, I just started this portrait study. So I'm doing portraits directly from reference. Then I'm doing a portrait, but then I'm going to I use Anatomy 360 and turn it at all different angles and then try to do um, the portrait from the photo, but from the angles of Anatomy 360. Right. Then on the third day, I try to do that same portrait in 360 degrees, but without using Anatomy 360. Right. And on the fourth day, I tried to do all of it from memory. So I've been kind of doing that with like all different characters and uh, anatomical features and stuff. And it's been right. helping. It's definitely been yeah. helping. It's it's a bit uh, it's a bit intense. And then let's see from my classes, like what I teach. Usually, I start with um, working on primitive forms and understanding just how primitive forms work. Uh, Sorry, my cat is now walking over my desk, so it's, <laughs> it's throwing me off a little bit. He might, or she might, mess up the microphone. Um, That's cool. But yeah, I, I for the um, for the class, I kind of show. I guess a good a good way to sum up the philosophy is, I show how we can understand how to manipulate three dimensional forms, and then use those as like um, the wireframe maquette for a sketch, or like how sculptors use wireframe maquettes and then put clay over it, right. and on top of that, our clay would be like interesting mark making, understanding of anatomy, uh, but all of the structure is coming from knowledge of three dimensional forms and uh, primitive forms and that. Right. And such. Okay. Yeah. So just kind of the building blocks that would make a character design or would make a character sketch, um, kind of from start to finish. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I really emphasize on trying to be able to to sketch characters that already exist before trying to go out of the realm of reality and trying to design your own characters. Right. Okay. Cool. Cool. And then I take it even down the line. Do you think, um, like, I mean, what was what would be kind of your your ideal position or job? I mean, I know you're working at Brainstorm, but kind of always having a, a plan down the line. Would there be a company particularly you'd want to work for, or a project you'd want to work on, or? Well, to be idea? honest, I I really like being um, self-employed, so I'm probably going to do more freelance stuff. Uh, okay. But but I really want to do Magic the Gathering illustrations. Cool. Cool. And I'd like to design some indie games at some point. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Magic is the the hot ticket, right? That's oh yeah. Kind of kind of the the gold standard for a lot of the guys I know, like um, and some guys I know who have just got gigs have been drawn for God years and years before they got anywhere near to to getting Magic stuff. Uh, it seems to be the the highest echelon anyway in terms of oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, I, but yeah, the guy. I, on you go. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I figure it's going to be a couple of years before it gets to that point. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's also a skill I've seen a lot of guys knowing that it's it's the rendering, right? It's the it's the hardcore rendering that really separates all of their stuff from uh, other cards and um, also the ability to draw backgrounds as well or, or props or kind of like stuff that you, you kind of need to be a good all-rounder. I mean, yeah. you definitely need to be, if you want to do character cards especially, like obviously you need to be tall of the characters, but then the whole thing surrounding the character needs to also draw the character out of the card as well. So, um, you know, like in battle scenes or in markets or wandering about, you know, lost lands, there's always a an element of a background there. So yeah, it's always um 
people I know who can kind of do everything that are quite good magic artists that you know they've done some environments they've done some props they've done some characters so they basically bring all that together in one card and that's what makes it the solid illustration that it is I mean this is speaking from just seeing other people do it I mean I've I've never obviously worked for Wizards of the Coast and maybe one day but yeah but yeah but I mean definitely it's the same though because I think one of my dreams is also working on the Hearthstone series like doing cards for Hearthstone and uh, yeah they're the artists who do that are also very similar they can do solid characters but also pull a background into the frame as well so um, yeah that their artwork is so cool Hearthstone. yeah yeah i mean the Hearthstone stuff is definitely um although i, I do know people fun enough who work on both but i see it sometimes is weird because i feel magic has that more realistic edge where Hearthstone is definitely the more stylized cartoony stuff but um yeah i think if you're a good illustrator you can turn your hand to anything really um i think it's just the rendering style or the proportions that, that sell um the elements you're trying to portray in the card so um, yeah exactly you can just like kind of study exactly what they're doing in terms of uh their stylization and then you should be able to do it i mean as i say should be as if it's like super easy but you should be (laughs) if you're if you're at that level of one of the artists that's uh working on those projects yeah definitely so i mean just kind of taking our mind back to to your your career so far um even though it's short but what was your daily routine? Um, I'm totally not asking this for for my uh, own selfish purposes, but um, yeah. So, what was what, what was your daily routine? Kind of, um, I say Monday to Friday, but maybe you're probably working the weekends as well. But were you doing six hours a day? Were you doing eight hours a day? What were you studying? I mean, it'll be hard to break down, obviously, but you know, we've got time. We've got yeah. we've got a while yet. So yeah, just talk at length as much as you feel you can, and, and maybe break it down to how your sure. days were structured. Um, so when I first started uh when i first started studying it was really unstructured and i kind of didn't know what i was doing so i just spent so many hours it was like 13 hours or 14 hours a day just kind of winging it and just seeing what would happen uh that was when i first left school and i was like all right well i'm putting in these hours i'm gonna get good and that (laughs) that didn't work so well Mm -hmm. uh and a lot of my stuff didn't really make any sense then i started reading scott robertson's book so i kind of broke it up where i would do that in the morning and then try to design characters or environments and stuff. Um, And again, there really wasn't too much focus to it at that point. Um, Then when it really started to get focused was uh, I'd say two years ago. And then I kind of made it a habit where I would, um, I was posting four Instagram sketches per week and they were all life drawing sketches. So I think I really started to hone my draftsmanship and stuff when I I did that for about a year. and I would go out every day and I would sketch vehicles, environments, people, uh, and I would do it all in pen, uh, the not even ballpoint. I would do it in the, um, like a fine liner pen. Okay. And that was really challenging. But once I got comfortable with it, it was really helpful because obviously it worked on so many skills, anatomy, perspective, draftsmanship, all that kind of thing. And I thought it was good because it wasn't, I wasn't trying to really challenge that design muscle too much yet. And I'm still not at this point. I'm still working purely on illustration. And I think it's important to to differentiate those two skills as much as you can. Um, so then, yeah, after that, I would say as I was doing that, um, I started doing YouTube videos. And the YouTube videos were cool because it it, it sort of set up its own schedule because I, I, I had this plan of putting out one video per week, which I did for about seven months. Uh, and each time it was like, okay, I pick out a topic. Maybe, you know, I started easy and then gradually got more and more difficult. And those topics would be, uh, as I as, as I progressed, those topics would be out of my comfort zone. And so it would require me to study for the first like day or two. Then the third day I would just do uh, film the sketches. Then the fourth day I'd edit it down and do voiceovers and then put it out. Uh, and yeah, with that, it was like, kind of the professional schedule of the YouTube videos and live streams really dictated what I was doing. Cause mm-hmm. you know, that breakdown is already kind of tough. And then on top of that, I was doing three live streams per week, I think at that point. Oh, wow. So it was, yeah, it was one vi- YouTube video and then three live streams, which were kind of um, abstract and amorphous. I would do whatever I didn't, whatever subject popped into my head, I would just start doing. Uh, and so that, ended up uh, getting a lot of mileage and, you know, it, it got enough traction that I could start making money off of the ad revenue and from Patreon and stuff. Uh, and, and now I have it. Um, let's see what my schedule is now. It's, I wake up, um, got to drink coffee first. That's really important. <laughs> then uh, I'll usually do um, 
just poses straight from imagination. I'll do them in same thing, like a fine liner pen. Uh, and I, I've been getting a little bit more comfortable with, with that. Um, then I'll, I'll usually pick out a topic like this week, it's going to be doing portrait studies. So, uh, I'll sketch, like I said before, where I'll sketch, um, directly from reference, then using reference, but turning a 3d model. So that way I can try to, I, I have like the orientation of the character, but I don't have necessarily have the facial features. So that challenges me to like move different curves and see how like certain eye shapes will transform in perspective. Uh, then on the third day, it's doing the same thing, but without the 3d model. And then finally do the whole thing without just straight from your head. Okay. Yeah, that's intense. I mean, like it, it does seem like you're talking like it's unstructured, but there does seem uh, a pattern there where, you know, you're drawn from life a lot, which I think is something that um, I definitely missed out when I started. Um, I mean, I was kind of the guy who was like, oh, I can photo bash and I can use 3D, so I don't need to be able to draw. But yeah, like the, the more you churn out stuff that's sitting in front of you and try to replicate that into a book, then yeah, you start to kind of train your eye and you then break down forms a lot easier. You start working in perspective. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely like a, a thing I would say for anybody listening who is starting that, yeah, drawn from life is like the biggest tip I've had from every artist I've ever spoke to. Everyone and is like, yeah, yeah. Everybody always seems to try to skip that step, but it's the most, it's, I think it's the most important because one, it gives you that intuition of, um, you know, just seeing stuff and being able to sketch it Two, you can work on your style more because you're like, if if you're already pretty good at drawing from life, the only thing that you're challenging then is how you want to represent that thing, what marks you're going to be making, what sort of strokes, what sort of values you're going to indicate. So right there, that's like a huge advantage to, um, to your drawing skills. Uh, and then three, you start to, um, pick up on like little tricks and tips. Uh, I talked about it in one of my anatomy gumroads, but there's, I, when I try to draw heads in different perspectives, the way I think about it is like, there's this, relationship between the position of the eye and the ear uh and you can use that as your um like your perspective line that'll give you the um basically a line going back to your left or right vanishing point depending on the height and the camera and you start to pick up on these little tricks yeah you have a kind of like a tool set or an arsenal that you build over time and you're like oh yeah well this is so far from this and this should be measured as that and yeah like and then obviously you get to a point where you're not even thinking about that stuff it's just happening like your your hand is just moving um, exactly because we talked about uh one of the guys bjorn that i met uh tu that he does a, a, a live stream i think every day like a 30 minute warm-up thing and um he was talking about you know uh i think it was it conscious and unconscious learning where you know like a basketball player will learn to dribble a ball um to the point where he dribbles it so well that when he's in in the game um he isn't really thinking about what his hand's doing like it's so natural the movement that exactly. he can then focus on the game so it's the same with drawing, right? You need to get to a point where you're drawing where you're not even really thinking about, does this line go here or does this, like, like you're just doing, you know what I mean? That's the unconscious part of it. Um, and I feel that is, that's somewhere people need to get to before they start approaching um, design. You know, I feel like it's it's a very key skill to have is making that pen an extension of your arm, which I yeah. think is the hardest yeah. part, but yeah, very essential. Would you agree or? I 100% agree. And like, for me, one of the reasons why I kind of instinctively knew that this was how it should be done was I had started playing music at five or six. So I'm much better at music than I am at art. I, I still think I kind of suck at art. But um, <laughs> with music, like I'm at a position or uh, at this point, I've been doing it for a decade and a half. Um, I'm at a position where I can kind of pick up a guitar and not think about scales, time signatures, rhythms, any of that, and just start playing. And usually it comes out pretty decent. So... Yeah. I kind of had a similar approach to that. Uh, pretty much the, the way I would study was the same as I would do with music. Yep, yep. And then it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a set routine. If you're doing it every day, then you become better faster and then you get more creative and inventive. And then once you learn yeah. basic notation, you can start making your own stuff. And exactly. It's very exactly. similar. Very it's, similar to it's a musician. Identical. Yeah. It's identical. Yeah. identical. I mean, music in itself is an art form, right? So it, it, it obviously then would share some similarities to drawing or painting or um or any kind of art expression form as well so yeah i think that's maybe what helped me in the start as well because uh i was a drummer by design oh, for a lot of time so yeah so like uh it was funny actually to teach you um andre had set up a, a jam session at night so after the talks were done we would go back to the fort 
and uh, there was a whole kind of setup just ready to go, and people could just pick up instruments and play. So we were we we're spending the nights uh, jamming, and I was on the drums, kind of uh, rocking it hardcore. But then also there was no double kick, so I was like, "Fuck, I can't do any metal." <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you're yeah. a metal fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah but I'm a yes. huge metalhead. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, can we just switch gears and turn the whole interview about metal? Because I was in a death metal band for so many years. Oh, shit, really? What I've heard of them? Um, maybe. Uh, Painted in Exile. Have you ever heard of that band? Oh, shit, man. Yeah, you're in Painted in Exile. Oh, my God. I st- wow. I, st- I started the band. <laughs> wow. Okay, okay, yeah. guys. Go in there. I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out. For a couple <laughs> <of seconds. laughs> um,. Yeah, like I, I used to listen to those guys. Oh, Jesus Christ! Like, uh, like so much. Um, oh my God! Yeah, that's 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 actually crazy. I cannot believe that. Um, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, revitalized man was like my I, jam. I wrote for... that. Jesus Christ! Okay, guys, this this interview has taken a fucking turn. By the way, everybody, everybody, go away. I need to speak to James for like half an hour just behind us. <laughs> oh my God! We heard about Fade in Exile. God, how long ago was that? I'm talking maybe three, four years ago. I think I was listening to you guys like that's awesome regularly, and um, yeah. But I mean, you kind of have you been doing stuff recently? Because I haven't heard you guys for a while, right? That's that. Have you guys? So, are you still- so here's what happened. So I um I wrote the f- well me I, I say I wrote I I did write a majority of the first two things that they put out. The um there was uh, initial EP, and then there was revitalized. Okay. Um, and then after that, I left to go to school because I was right. uh, doing the whole doctor path thing. And it was, it was another crossroads in my life where I had to decide whether or not I was going to pursue music or pursue uh, medicine. And I think I might have made the wrong choice there because I, I loved playing <laughs> metal. But either way, so yeah. I, I, I ended up um, doing that. And then they actually recently put out an album in 2016, which is fucking awesome. I had nothing to do with it, but it's amazing. I listen to it all the time. Yeah, the um, band was definitely different because I remember the first time I listened to them, it was like, it's like, is that a jazz like instrumental? And like, like <laughs> yep. three minutes into this breakdown, like, what the fuck is going on? But uh, oh my god, that's that's actually crazy. You know, I've actually I've, I've met so many people within this art form where a lot of them did have um, bands on the side. There was one of the guys, Steve Corman, actually, who um, just done Matt Payton at ILM. He's he worked on a couple of the different you know movies and stuff, but he was in a band. That was like uh, was like touring the world at one point. He was playing in Tokyo and stuff. He was a drummer. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, but he was the same, right? He just he he didn't want to. Um, I mean, I'm not particular in his words, but I can understand the gist he was getting off is that you know you live your life in the back of a van, you don't earn a lot of money. It's a very kind of you know up and down career. So he was yep. like, yeah, yeah, I just want to get something that has a bit more stability. Um, it's definitely hard to monetize it. Uh, I mean, we we were able to, and like we played a lot of shows and stuff. Um, but in terms of making a career out of it, it's a lot harder, I think. Yeah, def- I was even, I mean, Scott actually talked about this in one of his art station interviews where people were talking about, um, they're like, oh yeah, there's so many concept artists and the, the industry is so sh- uh, saturated right now, you know, it's impossible to get a job. And he's like, you know, this industry is just starting. I mean, like, look at the music industry, like talk about saturation. Like, you know, there's a million people out there that want to be musicians more than artists. And, um, and yeah, people kind of complain that, oh yeah, there's, there's not enough jobs. It's like you just need to be good enough, like to get work. Yeah. But there is, no, there is not, yeah. There's not a shortage. It's just that you know, it, there's a bit more level of dedication. But yeah, music is. I would definitely say a lot harder than this industry to get work. Um, it is, but I will say, playing a live show is a lot more satisfying than anything I've ever had in art. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but, we were on that. We were on that stage at THU, and we were absolutely loving it. Like I hadn't played oh, live in years in front of a crowd, and it was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You always have that bug, I think. Once you've played live, you always want to go back and do it. Um, we're trying to get a band together for next year, like because the whole thing oh, was people, people were going up randomly to teach you, and they were um, they were just picking up instruments and trying to play something. And then we were obviously, you know, trying to be like, oh, okay, what's he playing? I can maybe play along to that. And you know, it was the simple stuff. It wasn't anything too complex. Um, but we need to try and get a more structured approach next year because yeah, eventually it worked out because people would, would eventually get in a rhythm or something would play like a a couple of chords that were like decent so you could you could play along it but yeah it was getting to a point people were just messing up or people were walking off stage or they're playing something for two minutes and forgetting <laughs> the rest of it and i was like oh god so uh so yeah so we're, we're trying to do do that as well I, I don't know if you've heard of trojan horse was a unicorn have you heard of that at all or i, I think i may have is it a band or is it a event i'm, I'm... oh 
God, it could be both. But yeah, but no, uh, <laughs> THU is uh, an event that was started in Troy in Portugal by a guy called Andre. And um, it was basically trying to bring some of the biggest artists in the world together to do talks and demonstrations. Um, and yeah, he's, he's run it now for, uh, I think since 2013, so like five years. Awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, we had some amazing speakers this year. We had Corey Loftus, we had Ryan Lang, uh, Rafael Grazetti, Frank Song, um, a lot of guys, like big guys from industry, especially like Corey Loftus and, and, and uh, Ryan Lang, they're, they're Viz Dev guys working in Disney. They worked in, you know, Frozen, Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, wow. Um, and, and then Ryan went uh, another way, actually, after he worked in Wreck-It Ralph and stuff, he went to work for Marvel doing, um, like, uh, Avenger stuff, uh, comic book stuff. So he actually was telling us he just uh, finished working on uh, the, the next part of the Avengers, like the Avengers Part 2, the Infinity War thing, the conclusion. Awesome. So but he couldn't talk about anything because he was like, yeah, it's Wonder and I can't show anything. It was a silent talk. They just sat there and stared at the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think he showed us some of the stuff he'd done on uh, Doctor Strange. I think Doctor Strange was the first thing he worked on for Marvel. Oh, sick. Cool. Um, so showing some of the designs he'd done with Carl Ortiz, like a lot of the, the their list production stuff before they kind of they started filming. Um, but yeah, there was a, a lot of huge speakers, um, a real sense of family. Um, they call it the tribe. So if you become a teacher, you, you become a warrior, you become part of the tribe. Um, and it's kind of like a whole like family thing to do with like, you know, you're part of something bigger. Um, but definitely one of the the better events I've been to. I think Europe is kind of leading the way in a lot of those kind of events, whereas America yeah. doesn't have really a, a ton of them. I know there's a Luxicon, which I think's out of Philly, but um, it's more for fine artists or oil painters. Um, and yeah, then yeah. the only thing I know about in Canada is Edge Control, which I think is one of the more popular ones. But um, yeah, there's not a ton of those kind of things. Uh, unless no one hosts something, um, then yeah, there isn't a ton of big events with lots of speakers you can go to in, in the States. Yeah, it seems usually like that. Like you said, it's mostly in Europe. I don't know. I mean, I also wouldn't know because, I, like I said, I don't leave. So, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I don't I usually think, go to events or anything. I'm just like hanging out, doing my own thing most of the time. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say even um, because we're kind of like, I mean, you're obviously definitely ahead of me in, in technical skill, but I feel like the the going to events and mixing with people, even with big artists, it has definitely forwarded my career so much. Just to be able to speak to those guys and have a conversation with professionals about like how you should be learning or ways to approach stuff and then yeah. obviously getting feedback. But then I, you will have an extent of that, obviously, because you're working with James and John, so like they are obviously experts in their field. So, um, But if you spoke to James about IMAG, you know, going to Paris and stuff and talking, you know, he would probably tell you, yeah, it was a great experience. And yeah, I'm sure, yeah. It's cool being at Brainstorm too. I always like um, Jonathan Kuo. I'm not sure if you're aware of him. Uh, okay. He's an amazing concept artist. I mean, he teaches right after me, uh, or he was teaching right after me on Saturdays last semester. Right. And uh, I would just sit down with him after class and talk to him. And he would just show me all the stuff that he was working on or teaching. And he was the most humble person about it too. It was oh, so yeah. funny. I was like, oh, do you mind if I sit in in your class? Uh, this is, looks really cool. He teaches the um, form language class. And he's like, he's like, oh, I'll have to work on my my chops or my technical skill. I'm like, no, I, <laughs> like you're so good. What are you talking about? I'm like, you're literally showing me work that you did for Transformers. What are you? <laughs> oh man, we had the ex exact same thing every talk I've ever been to. In fact, just recently, obviously, we're sitting looking at Ryan's talk. Ryan's worked on, you know, all this kind of stuff like Frozen and Wreck It Ralph and Big Hero Six, and then um, he worked on the Marvel stuff, Doctor Strange, all this kind of shit. And he was going like every time he was showing a piece, he was like, "Yeah, I wasn't really happy with this thing, and uh, this is, oh, I don't like this one. This wasn't this wasn't good at all." And if I had more time, and we were sitting there like, "What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like this stuff is incredible." Yeah. Um, and then and Corey Loftus, who has worked, you know, in such amazing like he was one of the lead guys in Zootopia, and he was showing us some VizDev stuff they were doing for that. And I was like, the detail this guy goes into, like, um, they would, like, down to, like, every button and badge the characters would wear had a meaning, like, for the character. Even when they made the currency, Corey was talking about it was an in-joke with two of the guys because there was a stag on, like, the on the money, like, with antlers, and he was, like, the president, like, the money, like, he was designing the money. But it was a joke because he was, like, it's one buck. So... Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, but we were like, it's like he took that attention to detail and everything he made for the characters, and I was like, Jesus wept. But that's his death, right? And that's what makes Corey's stuff like incredible. Um, but then even he was like, oh yeah, I left some shitty sketches in here, the ones I didn't like, and I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, th Jesus I think that's Christ. just a symptom of being an artist. You always just like yeah. everything you do, you're just like, oh, that's the worst I've ever seen. It's terrible. 
Yeah, I mean, it was the same with Scott Robertson, right, when I interviewed him. He was like, uh, I was saying, like, oh, you know, I'm getting to interview one of my heroes today. And Scott was like, oh, I don't know if I can live up to that. That sounds like a lot to take. <laughs> and I'm like, you're Scott fucking Robertson, man. Like, you invented yeah. concept art. Like, I mean, um, you're one of the OG, like, concept artists. Yeah. And um, he was like, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. And, and But, yeah, th- th- these guys are never – I've never met MD really with an ego in this industry. Yeah, um, I-, I think part of it is that in order to get better – you have to be really self-critical and when you're really self-critical it makes you really embarrassed <laughs> yeah because you obviously look at somebody else that's always above you and then you're kind of like well my artwork isn't good as this guy so yeah. it must not be perfect yet and yeah in a way it's a good and bad thing like i love the fact that it makes people humble it makes people want to learn more it makes people you know engage in teaching and want to give back um but at the same time it also then takes people's kind of self-esteem away and makes people very doubtful of what they're doing or yeah. unsure or you know very confident to apply for positions they really could work you know they could do but they don't really feel like they can and yeah it's it's definitely a double-edged sword um more so than the most things i've ever seen and um yeah it sucks but then yeah like you said it, it means when you're talking to some of your heroes like i mean obviously when john was messaging you on your live stream you were like holy shit and then yeah i thought that was to- crazy I still think yeah. I suck though. <laughs> for me, <laughs> for me, I I get the the confidence and sort of um arrogance, for lack of a better word, <laughs> from yeah. my work ethic and from uh I guess from music now that I've stepped away from it, I can kind of be like, Oh, I guess I was pretty good. Yeah. So I, I just kind of rely on that for like building up my ego enough to the point where I'm not really sad. And then I'm willing to just do art and be like wow that's terrible that's terrible that's terrible but at least i can still play music <laughs> yeah this is true i mean what a fucking ton of events man like i cannot believe you were paid in excel that is actually crazy um because usually when you say to people like you know oh i was in a band you're like oh yeah would i've heard of them and then they'll say it right and you'll be like oh no i don't think yeah. i've heard your stuff but yeah that's probably awesome but then you're like no i was in this band i was like the band that i've been listening to for years and I'm like, Holy <laughs> <shit."> like, <laughs> that's, that makes me very happy i'm really glad about that man. yeah man oh well, no painted were I mean, you know yourself, like you guys were always kind of super popular even at the start because it was so different the things you were doing with 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 you know syncopation and time structures and the way you were playing different genres in one song. Like you were doing a lot it of was, things that people weren't doing at the time. Yeah, talk about um overnight. That was that was like I, I think nothing has felt as surreal as that because before we put out that album, it was like kind of you know really slow online and not too much, and then. I remember we put up the album and at that point in time, we were working on MySpace as our social media and we were, uh, we had like MySpace bots adding people. And I remember by the morning after we put out Revitalized, we had 200,000 listens and like so many album sales. It was ridiculous. And uh, I haven't had any feeling quite like that in a very long time, but it was, it was, uh, it was something I got to tell you. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think the first one wasn't even revitalized to listen to. I think my friend let me listen to Skylines. Like, that was the yep. <laughs> kind of first thing. And by God, I mean, like, yeah, some of the, the breakdowns in that were just, uh, I mean, as a metal fan, obviously, you know, you love this kind of stuff. But um, I think there was two bands at the time I was listening to because I was getting in heavy and heavier stuff. And I think one was you guys and the other was Within the Runes. And, um, oh, yeah, we played with them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we play. <laughs> I mean, t- can I tell you about the Within the Ruins show just for a moment? Okay. <laughs> so, the Within the Ruins show that we played was four states away, wow. and um, I had I had class that morning, so I left class to drive four states away. I show up as five minutes into our set, or like into our setup time, and I realized, like my my whole band had set up my amplifier and everything. And I realized I had forgotten a guitar strap. Oh, wow. So I played the entire set sitting down, headbanging in this theater. It was like the most stupid thing I've ever done. But it was was a ton of fun. And then uh, Within the Ruins came on afterwards and they fucking killed it. It was so good. As always, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely. I think even recently. Um, sorry, guys that are listening to this podcast about art that we're talking about now, but like, <laughs> I, I I keep derailing it. I'm sorry. It's my fault. <laughs> it's fine. No, it's totally fine. But um, recently. Because I've had a total change in members, I just got into um, is it Chelsea Grin? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and- they killed somebody, so they had to get some new members. Okay, they didn't actually kill anybody. <laughs> 
no, it was. Uh, I think that yeah, their their singer had problems with substances. I think he was on the road to recovery, so um, they kind of dropped a lot of guys. And now there's only four of them. There's a guitarist, the bassist, the drummer, and the singer. Um, with the new direction, I don't know if you've heard the song "Hostage" that they put out. Um, but yeah, no, that's I don't like, think I heard it. Oh man, you got to have to get a listen. It's it's very. Um, I say beat downy, like it's kind of like what Amur have been doing for a while. Very okay, yeah. beat down heavy, very single note oriented, but um. Yeah, their new stuff is the new album is is really really good. Like because I went in a different direction since they changed members, but yeah, I've been really getting into them. But within the ruins, yeah, they're OG. Like, yeah, I remember. I think it was was it them? Or, I can't remember. They played a show in Glasgow, just close to where I'm in Scotland. And um, yeah, there was uh, the promoter who handled it was really terrible. And I think they played to, as like, they always are. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and I think they played to six people, and we were kind of standing there like. What the fuck? Oh like, <laughs> it's within the ruins, man. They should, like, they should be full. Yeah. That's that's why I don't do music professionally anymore. Because you get shit like that. You'll play a show. You're like, all right, we sold out to like 600 people. Then you play the next show and there's 10 people there. You're like, what the fuck is my life? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, playing, so you're, you're playing to like the other bands and their girlfriends. Like it's a very yeah. common thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I've just, I've listened to so many bands over the years that have came and went and the industry has been so fickle and, it kind of takes people out and takes people in and spits them out. And um, I mean, there's been so many, even just people just, you know, lost their life. I mean, I, I remember one of the biggest regrets I ever had was I missed seeing Suicide Silence uh, downloaded oh, yeah. in 2011. And that was, I think it was only a couple of months after that, Mitch, uh, Mitch died basically in his accident. Um, and yeah, the, and like obviously Chester, like I never got a chance to see Linkin Park yeah. either. And, you know, he's gone now as well. But yeah, it seems to be a very similar thing where people and a lot of art forms, including music, have spouts of depression and not feeling like they're good yeah. enough. And um, and I think with music, you have this exceptional highs and lows because your fan base is so, like you said, fickle, where it's like you'll have a huge audience and then maybe two years later you don't. And oh, yeah, like so- you walk on a stage and play in front of like maybe, you know, 2,000, 3,000 people and then you play like to five. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, it's so much less consistent than art. And I, 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 um, to get back to art, that's one of the benefits. So anybody that's concerned about... Uh, you know, not having, you know, there not being enough positions in the concept art industry or anything like that. Yeah. At least you're not playing music professionally. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And then even stuff like session musician playing, like if you're going to go down that route, that's almost even harder. Like, you know, because for session musician work, you need to be like, I mean, talking like, you know, beyond good. Like you need to be walking yeah, in now. Yeah. Like, like sight reading, like you're putting a sheet of music in front of somebody and they're just like, okay, yeah. cool. Playing. Um, and uh, yeah, like the, there's no kind of we're near that kind of stuff as as there is within art. So yeah, so interesting. That was an, <laughs> that was an awesome trip in memory lane of music, anyway. But yeah, uh, but yeah, bringing it back around. Um, so yeah, so so you're still illustrating, you're still working at Brainstorm. Um, you're doing your classes. Um, is there a project on the horizon that you're looking to work on? Or are you just kind of like is your focus mainly just on Brainstorm at the moment? So my on the horizon, I have two books that I'm going to be putting out. The first one is an instructional on how to like go about breaking down uh, the visual world in the way that I do and like kind of learning to use primitive forms in conjunction with good line work. Um, I'm hoping for it to be like a good compendium to how to draw or like it, it covers a lot more than a lot different stuff than how to draw does. I don't want to say a lot more. Right. Um, I have it all written out but there's a lot of illustrations that need to be redone. So I've, it's been delaying the process quite a bit. Um, and then after that next year, I want to put out just a, a printed book of sketches. Right. Um, yeah. But I want to yeah. do them all traditionally and stuff and no digital sketches in it. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that sounds super interesting. And I think it's interesting as well because, I mean, I know people used to say to Feng when, you know, they're talking about him putting out a book and he was like, well, you know, like I learned off Scott and, you know, I think he set the gold standard for doing books, so I don't think there's any point. But I think it would be interesting for people to see a variation in, in Scott's book, um, maybe even interpreted by another person, because, like, not everybody can think like Scott. Like, I know, obviously, Scott is a genius and what he does is incredible, but um, sometimes you'd almost want a, I'm not going to say a dumbed-down version, but, like, you know, something where he isn't going as technically high. Yeah. And something that maybe eases the, the the breakdown process of characters, or and especially with characters, because I mean Scott's yeah. focus is mostly on industrial design, so he would be more centric on vehicles and and tanks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? mine's more focused on positioning characters, posing characters. Like, there's two chapters that are on breaking down the the human anatomy into primitive forms, 
and then using primitives on how to pose them in different um, types of poses. So it's it's chapter six. It goes into um, goes into all different poses from like running, walking, sitting, jumping, all that stuff, and how you can break that down. Uh, so it's it's definitely a lot different. And the second third of the book is all on mark making and all that kind of stuff. So it's there's a lot of um, I've actually as I was writing it, I had how to draw next to me to make sure that I wasn't covering any of the same stuff. Right. Yeah. So it, it's definitely um, a book that will have the same level of like um, perspective focus, but uh, uh, definitely a different direction. Yeah. I mean, definitely, I think even just a different take on Scott's subject matter would be interesting to see because, um, yeah, like I said, as much as he's done industrial stuff, the character stuff has been very light. And I haven't seen, I mean, like, whenever I talked about character design or doing, um, you know, study of heads or anatomy, people always point me to the same kind of resources people have for a lot of times. So, you know, you'll get guys like um, uh, Andrew Loomis, like he seems to be the kind of go-to for uh, anatomy, for drawing the head and hands. Um, and, um, and you know, uh, Bridgman, another one um, that can has been around for a while. I was just about to say Bridgman. Bridgman is the, the best. It's so good. Would you, uh, that's just an interesting actually, would you rate him above Andrew Loomis or do you think Andrew Loomis' stuff is a bit more technical or how would you kind of compare the two? I, I think I like um, Bridgman better, but I think Andrew Loomis is easier to read. And right. uh, I, th- I think it seems to be a lot more... Um, easy for people who haven't drawn very much to get into. Uh, Oh, that was, yeah, that was another book that I started out with when I first started drawing. Um, I think it's a little bit easier and you can go back to Andrew Loomis's book. um, And there's some things that I was doing and I, I was like, Oh wow, look, I came up with this method of doing something. And then I go back to Andrew Loomis's uh, figure drawing for all it's worth. And I'm like, Oh shit, he was doing this so long ago. (laughs) (laughs) But, it, but it's so solid, right, that those things... It's the same with Scott's book. I mean, Scott's book was put out so long ago now in comparison to where we are now, but, you know, it's still, like, the gold standard for people learning how to do design, yeah. you know. So if you do it well, you know, people will obviously um, will obviously come back to that stuff. I mean, it was it was a, a weird thing I found within gaming where Shigeru Miyamoto was talking about, like, if a game is delayed, it's, it's only a shitty for a couple of months where you have to wait for it. But if the game is bad, it's bad forever. So yep. if you take that time... Make that thing great, like you're doing with your book. Then hopefully it's something that you know, you know, ten years people could be saying, "Oh, you know, look at James's book," you know, and you know, go back to this. this is really good for characters, and it's always the thing you hope is that people, you know, and I mean your name is getting out there definitely. Like I, I have heard from so many people, you know, they were like, "Oh, have you checked out one of James's YouTube channels? Really coming along, and you know, there's a lot of good stuff on there. And he's got a really awesome Gumroad." So um, yeah, I mean you're definitely you're definitely doing That's the right cool. things. Yeah, must must be great. Because um, I think it's. I, I, yeah, I was gonna say it's interesting because I don't see too much of it because I, like I said, I'm not. I don't really like. I don't do any fan meetups or anything like that. Uh, but I did have somebody stop me on the street the other day for the first time, and that was weird. Wow, wow. I mean, like, yeah, that must be interesting. I mean, I had the only time I ever had that was industry workshops a couple of weeks ago in London, and one of the artists came along at one of the at the nighttime thing. We were all kind of having a drink and talking to each other. Yeah. She was like, oh, you're Gordon. I was like, yeah. She's like, I love your podcast, by the way. Like, it really inspires me. And I was like, holy shit. You know, and and then I've had, like, an email from somebody who, like, is going to school to study concept design because of my podcast. Like, those kind of things awesome. are, yeah, like, it's, you kind of sit there and all you can really say is, like, thank you. But, yeah, you don't know how to take that kind of compliment stuff. And, and you're kind of like, well, I must be doing, I, I, I think in any way it's, it's a good validation because, you feel so down a lot of time, like, oh, my skill isn't good enough or I could be better drawn. But when somebody has those validation points, like, oh, you really inspire me or I really love your work, then you're kind of like, okay, like I'm doing something that yeah. must be interesting. Yeah, so, Definitely. yeah, that must be a, a big thing. And, and yeah, like, I, I think one of the f- videos I saw before people were talking about you was, um, it was like, oh, I'm trying to remember. It was a channel on YouTube where the guy goes around Comic-Con artists and he gets them to draw Oh, that's Proko's video. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. So that was the last thing I saw you in was was when he got you to draw. Uh, My sketch was terrible. Yeah, My it was, sketch was I, awful. It was a guy with a big weapon or something, kind of fat guy was, or something. I, I hate that sketch. I was I had just walked three miles because I couldn't get a taxi to Comic Con, oh, and then I was dying in sweat. And then he had me sketch. I was just like, oh no. <laughs> I, I thought I was going for an interview. I didn't realize he was going to have me sketch. Oh, it's not a good sketch, and I'm very uh... disappointed. Oh, it's but, so good. Yeah. 
Oh, well, you know, you're as good as your last sketch. That's what they say, isn't it? So, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, Check the YouTube channel and the others and the Instagrams for for better sketches. That was not a good one, and I was very. I saw it. I was like, "Oh no, I can't believe you put that up there." But yeah. uh, thank you, Proko, for having me. Anyway, I appreciate it. It's just yeah. No, just I, I think I've I've watched a couple of his stuff over the years because actually when I initially left my job, I wanted to get into comics. Like that was my kind of first thing I wanted to do. But then I learned how little comic artists make. Like it's embarrassing like how little they get paid for such amazing work and that's probably why some of the biggest guys have went to animation now because so much better paid they can actually have a life um, oh yeah 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 the the i used to watch a lot of the guys like jim lee and alvin lee you know the guys you know doing signings or doing commissions and drawing batman on the covers and stuff and i was like i want to do that we'll do that one day and um yeah they can just learn that you know you're going to struggle forever because yeah yeah even if you get a, a a job in a smaller company and a games company, you know you're going to earn like a livable wage. But if you're an independent artist working on a small publisher, you know you're not going to make a lot of money. Um, I remember guys telling me that, you know, they were doing um, like an issue with Spider-Man over you know one year, and they were getting maybe eight thousand um, bucks for the year. Oh, uh, yeah, that's not good at all. No, no. offense. Yeah, no, no offense to them. That's that's rough. Yeah, oh no, totally. And that's why I'm saying a lot of the guys will now get into game design or into viz dev or into animation because you know the paychecks are, you know, and like nobody obviously does this for the money. But you want to be able to do stuff like have a home, you know, eat. <laughs> <go out. laughs> you want to you want to be able to pay rent and eat food, which is uh, which is yeah, not so, too not something to complain about. You know, some no, people no, are like, oh, you're just in it for the money. It's like, no, I just want to yeah. eat. I'm hungry. Yeah. I want to live like everybody else, especially I know yeah. like a lot of guys I know who want to have families one day and. You know, raising a kid is expensive enough, but you know, on eight thousand bucks a year, you cannot do that. So, like, yeah, you, need, yeah. you need to think long term. Like, how am I going to do this? So, um, yeah, it's I've interesting. found that monetizing, like, through because now I have the you know pretty large YouTube channel and and the Gumroad and everything, mm -hmm. that has really helped. It's been great because like I can kind of expand into whatever avenue I want because there's an it kind of a dedicated audience that will watch whatever I put out. Mm -hmm. So, like. Through live streaming, I get ad revenue. Through the YouTube channel, I get ad revenue. Uh, and then that markets the Patreon and the Gumroad and stuff. Uh, and I'm even going to put out some more music. So maybe hope, you know, hopefully some of those audiences will, or that audience will overlap a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of cool. It feels very freeing to be able to um, kind of do what I want and not really have too much pressure monetarily. Yeah. I mean, definitely it's something I think I had looked into initially because I think when I was starting out and learning a lot of concept stuff, uh, Sakimi Chan was like just starting on Patreon and she now obviously earns an absolute fortune on Patreon. I think the last time I looked at it was about 50 grand a month, which was, Damn. yeah, incredible. Um, but then she had built a huge audience for years and years. And then when they came to Patreon, it was all just kind of at once, um, exploded, but yeah, I would. I would love to be in a position where I could just kind of pick and choose my hours, and um, and uh, although people kind of understand that, that's it's still work, right? Like you're not sitting playing video games all day. Like you still have no. to be putting out content and working on your. It's skill also set. a double-edged sword. Yeah, definitely. Because you, you because get free time, but you have to manage that time. Yeah, and then you you like you'll have moments where you're doing something to relax, and they're like, "Oh shit! If I don't put this out in X amount of hours or days." People are gonna not get their uh, patron perks, or they'll quit. Like I just changed my um, I I kind of I just changed my Patreon settings or my uh, one of my perks yep. for the Gumroads so that they're actually getting half of the amount of content per month. Right. Um, just because it was unmanageable at the level I had it. Right. Um, and so I lost a decent amount of subscribers from that. Uh, so yep. even that is a little bit stressful. But like at the same time, you kind of have to you know be realistic best for you yeah definitely I, I found that um you know people will look at some um some examples of patrons that are super successful and you know even guys like um like Jabba and a couple of the guys i know who are content artists and people would look at that sometimes and say oh no it doesn't seem like a lot for ten dollars a month but then they're usually doing this on top of a full-time job like i know Jabba is working at um ilm so i mean like he has to balance working a full-time job there plus doing the patron stuff so um, yeah, you can't be too overzealous with uh, with your time because <laughs> then yeah, yeah people just expect way too much of you and um, yeah then you get burnt out and you know it's and, and again you're new to the industry as well so it's it's stuff you learn as you go and I definitely feel like um, 
it's kind of funny actually my my experience is like the polar opposite of most people right i'm super good at networking i know a ton about the industry and all the players in it but my technical yeah. skill is super low like I, I i can draw to an extent but not as good as i should be able to but after two years anyway um and that's because i think it took me so long to find what i wanted to do because i was like okay yeah, like if, if I do, you know, super realistic, great stuff, you know, I'll get a job here. Or if I'm like this artist, I'll get a job here. Um, and then people just, I think it was only six months ago, someone had a sit down and was like, man, just, you know, draw whatever the fuck you want. Like yeah, if you want to draw Blizzard style awesome illustrations um, without using 3D or, or, or photo bash and then like do it. You know, I mean, there's always going to be a market for your type of art. Um, don't draw. That's what true, you, man. Don't draw what you think people want to see. Draw what you want to do. So... Yeah, I take it that's something you would you would say that's the same with you, like definitely draw. Yeah, yeah, and is that something you pass on to like your students as well? Do you feel like they're also they feel the pressure of like I need to draw like this or I need to have a portfolio? Yeah, looks yeah. Like, yeah. Because I mean, think about it. Like, especially for me coming from music, I had never wrote music for anybody else to listen to other than myself. Okay. Yeah. And that for me had a really good result in my life. I, I think if you try to do something for somebody else, you're always going to end up being a worse copy of that other person. And that doesn't mean to not take influence from other people. Like you can take influence from Blizzard artists. You can take influence from wherever, but at some point you just have to do whatever it is you want to see. Uh, And that's really the only thing that's going to keep you motivated. Yeah. I would definitely say that, especially if you want to do this at like eight hour a week job or whatever you're working, you know, like if you don't love it, then you will quickly get burnt out. Um, and then also, I think it also is is new to people who don't understand how long it takes to get good. I mean, like, if you're on your level of dedication, obviously, you can get good pretty quick. But, like, you know, it can take years for people to get established. And um, It takes forever, man. It takes yeah. a really long time. It's a lifelong goal, right? There's guys who I know who have yeah. been drawing for 20 years and they're still unhappy with their style. So it's not like a job where you can walk out of university and, you know, 95 and you're kind of proficient at within six months. Like, you know... No, it's going to yeah. take forever. I mean, even with, um, we were just talking about the music before, with Revitalized, I put that out, I think, 11 or 12 years after I had started playing guitar. So it took that long to get that. And after I released it, I found about a thousand things I didn't like about it. Right. And so you're always going to have this, you know, this loop of, you know, you'll you'll get maybe more praise from from people, but you're always going to have that loop where you're like, oh, that's not good enough. I need to improve. Yep. And you can't just expect that within your first couple of years of drawing or if you're really young that you're just gonna you know i mean i definitely say to people like yeah don't feel like disheartened again like i always say to people is that i mean there's a level you can get to where you'll get work don't get me wrong like you if you get to a certain level you will get paid for it but you'll still not be at the like the blizzard style level of illustration you know you might get to work for an indie dev or you know like me like or working for you know um a small mobile games company but um yeah you don't have to it's not like you have to like you could never get a job unless you've been drawn for five years like within like maybe a year or two years if you're dedicated enough you could find work somewhere yeah um but then yeah if you want to start you know rolling with the big players like blizzard like ea like ubisoft all these kind of guys like yeah then that's that's a bit further down the line for a lot of people that's that's four or five years in your career you can start thinking about making that step into the, the big leagues yeah so it's yeah. a it's a like a it's a lifelong endeavor and you got to enjoy it and not be too hard on yourself if if you're not where you're where you want to be i I know for me like i'm nowhere near where i want to be and it's kind of embarrassing too because then i i put so much stuff online and i have people looking at it and be you know judging it or whatever uh but also you know what you just have to take solace in the fact that you're just going to keep getting better the amount you know as you keep putting in more and more hours it's not like you're trying to teach industry professionals how to draw like you're teaching students you're teaching hobbyists enthusiasts you're teaching people definitely who are below your level but like oh yeah, you know, yeah. There's, there's always a uh like I, mean, I go back and, and teach uh occasionally and yeah i'm not teaching these guys anything like um super technical or super advanced but i'm you know to a student who's just started university like i can teach them some fundamentals and basics that i learned you know that i'm you know decent at that i can then pass on to them so yeah you can always you can always get back to somebody at some level it's you don't have to be at a certain level to to teach but again you're a brainstorm as well so that's also a great thing because uh that is a, a high echelon of teaching um so yeah it's it's great that john obviously recognized that striving you to to do stuff and um yeah it's, it's got to be an awesome thing because obviously you have that income obviously 
on top of your Patreon stuff and your YouTube stuff. So um, it's definitely going to be helping you out um, financially. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's super yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, so kind of just to round it off, like with your Patreon especially, because um, I don't know a ton about it either, and I'm actually thinking about signing up to it. So <laughs> um, for, <laughs> for me and everybody else that might want to take part in your in your Patreon, um, what do you offer um is it, is it teaching based? Is it every month you get something to help you? There's with? a couple of things. Okay, it's okay. actually I not to boast, but it's pretty freaking awesome for the price. So for two dollars, you get all of the you get the archive of live streams, which I do a ton of them, so you can watch them all back. For five dollars, you get the Gumroad. Uh, uh, it'll be one Gumroad per month at this point, but you'll get it at a discounted price, and you'll get the live streams. Right. Okay. For eight dollars, you get a critique of two pieces of artwork every month for $30 you can get uh group lessons which are super awesome we have like uh we have two group lesson tracks one that's dedicated to doing characters and anatomy and the other one that's dedicated to doing vehicles and man-made objects uh and every week we meet up so uh each month we'll meet up four times for two lessons and two critiques uh and those are for an hour each and that's pretty awesome uh it works out like I think it works out to being $8 a lesson uh, and it benefits me a lot and it benefits the students. Uh, Then 60 bucks, you can access both of those. Mm -hmm. And then the prices start to get steep for the mentorship. It's um, 200 for uh, per month for two lessons and then 400 for four lessons. Right. Okay. And that's a more one-to-one thing. That's like you sitting in front of somebody like one-to-one time talking to them about their art. That's one on one plus everything behind it, so they can join the group lessons as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it seems very reasonable. I mean, definitely for skill level. I mean, uh, I know uh, Darek Zabrowski was doing similar things, but he was charging a lot more. But then Darek is is an incredible artist to start with. Like he does, um, you know, he works in everything. He's worked in, you know, he worked in Destiny too not long ago. So yeah, like yeah, definitely reasonable. But then you've got the Gum Road as well, which obviously is more like if you want to just have like a bite of your your teaching, you can just take you know some individual lessons um it doesn't have to be like the full thing because you have like gum roads on anatomy on lighting um rendering that kind of stuff so you can if you want to break it down further and you didn't want to be doing the the monthly thing or the larger amounts then you can can just take a chunk of your gum road stuff and yeah learn exactly from- and i usually put them up for pretty cheap uh they will be going up in price a little bit um now that i've lowered the uh that i've changed the, the patreon settings but it'll be like seven bucks per gumroad for the most part which is very Uh, reasonable for getting teaching methods i mean like people don't people complain sometimes about how expensive online learning is but i mean i am there's some schools that charge i nearly named some of them but yeah (laughs) there's some schools that that charge a lot of money to go to their schools and um yeah seven bucks for a a kind of practically a whole course on one subject is is not a lot of money so yeah it's thanks very reasonable. Um, I think even um, there's a real good... Have you heard of Focal Point School by a chance? I don't know if you guys have heard of it. No, I haven't actually. So Focal Point is um, a school that Darek Zabrowski has started in Poland. Um, and Darek is teaching with, uh, I think, one of the guys he's worked with on, on films and games. And they do some really good courses. I think similar to Brainstorm, because James had a similar thing when he's talking about in iMag that they were trying to build a school that was very reasonable price for what they were teaching. Um, and Derek does a course, I think it's maybe six weeks worth of teaching. Um, I think it's three days a week you do you do uh, classroom stuff and then you have homework. But I think it's something like £1,500, well, the equivalent to £1,500, £1,400 um, for six weeks training, um, which I think is very reasonable. Um, yeah. Because there is a lot of schools I know that charge thousands, like tens of thousands to do some courses and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a good alternative. I think you guys are the same with Brainstorm, right? You're, you're very competitively priced. Like you're not charging. It's uh, yeah. 800 bucks for 10 weeks. So it's pretty solid. Yeah. And how many days teaching is that? Or like how many days would you be in the classroom? It's, it's one day per week. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then obviously you're getting, giving those guys stuff to do throughout the week homework wise. So they'll be pretty busy throughout the week. I'd yeah, imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get about um, 20 hours of homework per week. Right. No, it seems reasonable. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're getting the, the, the eight weeks. Yeah. For, I mean, that does seem very reasonable. Definitely. It's uh, definitely a better alternative method because I know um, we had this talk long ago about bricks and mortar school versus online. And I think not everybody can learn online, right? The, some people need that one-to-one, like sitting in front of somebody, this is how you do this thing, and then replicating that. Um, so I think. Yeah, that, without a doubt. 
definitely good that those things still exist. I don't, I, people kind of have this talk that like, oh yeah, since you know Learn Square came out and all these other things, would would schools, would brick and mortar schools, be going away? And I don't think that's that's the case. I think there's still a need for um, schools. And Scott said the same. Scott was talking about you know. Um, like art center and stuff and he says you know you definitely could learn online i'm not saying you couldn't but i definitely feel there is a type of student out there who would want to learn in a classroom setting with other people it's definitely different too like my online teaching is so much different than the way i teach in person uh when i teach in person i kind of go in with like a really really loose outline of what i'm going to do but we take so many turns based on student questions so i kind of run it where it's like a Q&A and then we'll go in all these different directions based on one topic. Yep. Uh, and that is not something that I would ever do when I'm teaching online because it just, it, it doesn't work that way when, you know, when I'm sitting down or editing or when I'm writing at a script, it's, it's impossible to come out with something that organic. Of course. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's always a benefit to teaching in person and it, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's like I said, definitely different. And uh, I feel like the students get a lot more out of it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm 100% with you. Like, it's, you can definitely have those conversations when somebody's sitting right in front of you. You can, you can dive into something organically, like you said, in a conversation, like, oh, how would you approach this? Or talking about that, how would you also approach this? And, yeah, when you're structured like that with uh, pre-recorded stuff especially, you know, it's not like you can stop the recording and ask somebody a question. You're just listening to something you've already talked about, you've put down on tape, and then, you know, the guys are trying to take it in word by word. But, yeah, I definitely think there's there's a variation of having two types of schools because um, everybody learns differently. And I think that's one of the most important things to learn is how you learn because I know people have said, like, I cannot learn with books and text. Like, it's just impossible for me. Whereas, you know, listening to somebody talk or watching a video definitely is something I can take. Or the polar opposite, like people are like, you know, people who watch videos are like, it's too sporadic, it's too all over the place, I can't focus. Whereas with a book, they can go line by line and that's easier for them. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely feel that's one, of, apart from style, that's one of the key things with an artist, I think, especially if you're younger, is, is finding how you learn. I think it's one of the most important things for, for Oddly artists. enough. Oddly enough, I would never learn with videos. <laughs> okay, no more textbooks. Yeah. Yep, I wouldn't watch my videos to learn. Uh, that is a um, indictment of all my videos. No, but <laughs> apparently, they, apparently they help some people. But uh, yeah. I, I personally just don't learn that way. Yeah. Is that do you think that comes from your medical training background? Like you find textbooks easier to use or or learn from, or is that just a thing in general? No, I, yeah, I think it does come back. Because I'm, I was always kind of a very school oriented person, and I would always just learn by reading the textbook, and just I, I kind of just would teach myself. Um, yeah, I, I think with um, you know going to undergrad for uh, biochemistry and everything, the teachers a lot of times wouldn't cover all the topics that they needed to, so you had to get really good at learning from the text. So yeah, I, I usually just learn that way, reading books. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Well, I mean. Um... I'm happy. I've had a great talk. Um, yeah, hopefully, man. Hopefully you've, uh, hopefully you've had the same. And um, and yeah, like um, I'm hoping we can maybe do this again sometime and we get you back on further down and we can talk more about um, different ventures you're on or things you're doing outside of that. And, um, yeah, it'd be great to see you again. But thank you very much for coming on, James. It has been awesome talking to you uh, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, man, I loved it. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. No worries at all. Um, and to the audience thanks for staying with us even though we talked about metal for about 20 minutes but um, but yeah yeah. hopefully you guys enjoyed it if you want to see any more James I will leave all the links below in the description you guys can check us out on iTunes Spotify anywhere you find podcast services um, and yeah um, stay tuned for the next episode and uh, yeah that's us out thanks very much again to James for coming on and we'll see you guys later